I'm Claire Parker. And I'm Ashley Hamilton. And this is Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Hello, worms. You guys, thank you so much to everybody who bought t-shirts we are sold out of set them in the sizes so if you want a t-shirt you better get them quick and also i really hope you buy them i really want everyone to be repping their worm life status or even their unhinged mental status they're going like little worm hotcakes they're going like worms on a rainy day no worms because i literally was just thinking that but i was like i think really worms thrive in the rain yeah but they go they go out of the ground in the rain like they're but are you saying the perspective of this statement is like we're underground and it's rained and now all the worms are gone because they've gone above ground i'm just trying to think of like a time that worms move quickly and i believe it's when it's raining oh okay because i was thinking when do worms disappear and i was like if anything it's the opposite of when it's raining because when it's raining they are their most visible i'm thinking of when they shoot out of the ground like okay. quick quick moving worms yeah that's how the t-shirts are let me ask you this huh what do you think the consistency of the inside of a worm is? Soft. <laughs> I like really do think that anatomically Wet. it's very similar to a gummy worm. I think that gummy worms are based off of real worms. Yeah, because they're both gummy. <laughs> yeah. Like if you were to chew a worm consistency wise, it would be exactly like a truly so gummy So are you worm. saying there's no air in it? I don't think so. I think they're <laughs> rock solid, but soft. So the opposite of a rock. I feel like the consistency of the white part of a hard boiled egg, but malleable. <laughs> I think it's a little gutsier. I think it's like a little bit runnier. So you think that there's air holes in a worm on the inside? No, I don't think there's air holes, but I think it's more like a hair gel. Okay, I could see that. But are we both in agreement that there are no like, there's no air pockets? Yes. That it is just one thing all the way through, like a squeeze of toothpaste? A squeeze of hair gel. All right. Well, now that we've solved that science. Okay. I just want to really quickly plug. Obviously, we would love it more than life itself if you guys bought some t-shirts. You can also subscribe to our Patreon or do both. But if you want to support us in a way that is free, you can leave a review or tell all your friends to listen to this podcast too. Boy, do we love that. And I mean, what a segue. I have my phone ready to go. I'm going to read the reviewers this week just to switch it up if you're okay with that, Ashley. I, I am okay with that. I don't want to step on your little worm toes. No, my worm toes are safe and jelly. <laughs> rah, rah. Thank you so much. Molly Mermaid. Oh, Mermaid is fun. Thank you. Jess Heatington. Oh, I'm going to heed your advice and love this podcast. Circuit Math Reviewer. Oh, God. I don't know what you're getting out of us, but please don't review our math. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. It really gets me through the day. I've been at work a lot, and I spend most of the hours looking at the edge corner of my desk and just imagining ramming my head against it like you know how I have a big forehead and there's a lot of surface area yeah I just I'm like I could just take that big old plain landing strip and just ram it as hard as I could against my desk and I would just bleed out and I'm like I think the day would pass quicker because I'd be less conscious and I'm telling you I'm getting closer and closer to doing it <laughs> I'm getting so close on that note Claire does your memoir have a title this week it's called days to go um I don't you know I, I don't know that it's really time to be talking about it but I'm I'm unhinged so here we go I uh I'm struggling emotionally with work I would say right now I I don't know how much more I can take I just feel like the soul is being sucked out of me and I, I leave every day just like a zombie from a zombie movie okay I'm not doing so great yesterday I went to city MD the doctor's office and 
I was pretty sure I had strep throat and I got there and the doctor was like, yeah, it looks like you have strep throat. Everything I can see and all of the systems and all the things I can feel like the, your swollen glands is all strep throat looking strep throat looking ass and then they did the strep (laughs) test and it came back negative and they're like well that's weird but you definitely have strep we can see it and they're like are you stressed and I was like yeah they're like have you met somebody with strep recently and I'm like not that I know of and I was like did I like invent strep do I have like placebo strep and then this morning I woke up and I haven't taken my manifested strep in the same way that I manifested cat allergies I think (laughs) (laughs) but like I woke up this morning I haven't taken the antibiotics yet and I it's mostly gone I feel fine and like all of the swelling is down and I'm like I really do think I just like invented strep in myself and my mom was like I don't know Claire if you're so stressed at work that you're like making yourself ill maybe it's in the words of Taylor Swift time to go not yet I don't think so but Oh, man. We'll see. So I guess this is a good segue into Ashley. What's the name of your memoir? The name of my memoir this week is, oh, the highs are high, but the lows are low. Absolutely. Like a Ferris wheel from hell, baby. I'll tell you what I, <laughs> what I realized today is I don't want to be one of those people that's being like, what are the positive we's, we gained from the pandemic? Like, that's so fucking obnoxious. Mm-hmm. But I do think the most depressing positive is that every day was the exact same monotonous horror. And so I wasn't ever really like that happy. So then I never really got that sad. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you definitely like shift your expectations. I remember there was a point in like March where people were like, how are you? And I'm like, I am pandemic fine which this time last year was like suicidally depressed but I'm now so numb that I'm like okay <laughs> but now that things are like starting to come back to normal I feel like I had a really good couple of weeks comedy starting to come back seeing friends and socializing again and like drinking with people and it's getting warm out like, outdoors warm weather it gets me fucking high and then leaving my job and like the freelance stuff was going really well right out the gate and so it was just like a lot of really good things happening and then I had just like a full-on mental collapse so things are definitely harder than I thought they were, but not bad. I just, you know, I think a couple things in my life really, what's it called when like three things come together in like a trifecta? Like, I had like three heats swirling together in my brain that like created the perfect full on meltdown for me yesterday. But how are you doing now? Much better, much better. I, you know, have gotten some air. I've gotten back on my shit with like working out in the morning. I did laundry today. You know how much I love having clean sheets. It really changes my mood. So I think we're about to have another another pretty good high. And I can't wait to tell you guys how this one crashes. <laughs> <laughs> Should we finally mosey on over to the topic at hand? Yeah, I have a lot to say about this week's memoirist. I will say this is one of the first weeks where I really felt the weight of our tagline. We read the book so that you don't have to. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was literally wrote down. This is the pinnacle of us reading the book so you don't have to. And I want you guys to promise me. Promise me right now. And if you can't promise to me, you have to turn off this episode and you don't deserve to listen to it. Promise me (laughs) with your whole heart that you won't read this book. (laughs) It wasn't bad like Rob Lowe's was bad. It wasn't bad like... Holly's was bad. It was bad like a rice cake from two years ago that, you know, when you're like in your kitchen, you're like, I got to have a snack and you just keep opening the fridge looking for something, even though it was empty. And then finally you're like, all right, these rice cakes, someone left the bag open for seven months. They're rock hard, but they're all literally a bug in the bag. But you're just like, if the bug didn't touch this rice cake, is it fine? And so you're just, well, I'm not full and I'm not happy, but I am chewing. And then you get E. coli. (laughs) 
because you got imaginary strep throat and I had a full on mental breakdown <laughs> whilst reading this book. I won't say that that's not a coincidence. I won't either. Wait, it, that I won't yeah. say that. Yeah, it's not a coincidence. <laughs> okay, you guys, this week we are talking about Stassi Schroeder, reality TV star, podcaster, influencer, and racist. <laughs> you guys, we read it at the bequest of many. <laughs> I don't know if that bequest is a word, but at the request of many and at the behest, the behest and the request. I the don't even know what any of the words you're saying mean. Most of them aren't real, <laughs> but we read it and and it jumbled our brains. Do you know what I want to talk about really fast right off the top before we dive into any of the subjects of our book? Her book is called Next Level Basic. Mm-hmm. It's about being basic. And we never really discuss the covers of these books because I don't usually think that they're that important. A lot of times they're just like a glamour shot of the writer. But I do think that this is an important cover, namely the fact that it's Tiffany Blue. I think that that's so stupid. (laughs) What did you know about Stassi before you read this book? As you know, Vanderpump Rules is one of the only Bravo shows that I have really delved into. I've watched several seasons of it, mostly with you. Thank you. I know that I watched that show and felt not even a lick of fondness for Stassi. (laughs) I've just always been like, well, she's there and she'll say something that really upsets everybody else and it'll make for a good episode. That's what I knew about Stassi before I read this book. She is good for reality TV. She's good for reality TV. I've found her to be pretty appalling and also just there, Mm -hmm. you know? Sometimes we talk about having a baby to get out of like child stardom. Like we've definitely theorized that Kylie Jenner had a baby just so that she could get out of the spotlight for a couple months. She like literally couldn't figure out a way to make her mom let her stop working. So she like just got pregnant at 20 so that she could be like, listen, you have to let me take a couple months off because how are we going to explain this? I think she got pregnant to get out of being a racist. Yes, she did. That's what I know about Stassi. Ask me how I feel because I have a lot of feelings. Claire, before opening this book, before cracking the spine on this great American literature, what did you know? A lot. I'm obviously an avid Bravo watcher. I've watched all of Vanderpump Rules maybe two or three times. I have a lot to say about Stassi. I do want to go on record and say something interesting. Mac, my boyfriend, I make him watch a lot of reality TV with me. And the only one he won't watch with me is Vanderpump Rules because he says the rest are just like old women being crazy. But this one is just people being bad friends to one another. And it's too painful for him to watch. And I feel like that is a very interesting, astute comment. Like they are legitimately good friends, which makes a good TV. But it makes what they do to each other like truly horrific yeah it is really bizarre I mean her chapter on friendship we'll get to it I have a lot of thoughts on that chapter I honestly have a lot of thoughts on almost everything she says especially the stuff that we've seen play out on reality tv which is interesting because she says almost nothing so here's what I want to say I'll get I'll make it quick this is for like kind of the VPR lovers obviously Stassi is a megalomaniac I will say (laughs) interestingly enough when she got deemed the villain in seasons one and two I actually was on her side I thought she was wrongfully maligned when Jax Taylor obviously cheated on her and then all of her friends took Jax Taylor's side and then got mad at Stassi for inviting a new guy to Stassi's own birthday as opposed to her cheating ex-boyfriend I was like well you guys are acting insane when she left the show and had to come groveling back and they all turned on her. I'm like, most seasons, everybody was against Stassi. So it's funny that she's named the Queen Bee because she is the star of the attention, but she very rarely has everybody on her side. Katie Maloney actually uses her beta bitch persona to control who has the secondary weight behind them. And I think she ultimately decides who the Queen Bee is by deciding who gets the army of Katie. Anyway, 
More than that, I believe what Stassi and Kristen Dute did to Faith Stowers on the reality show Vanderpump Rules is one of the most horrific examples of racism that has been committed by like petty reality TV people. All of the people that get canceled for things that they ultimately come back from, I do believe what she did was the worst. For those of you who don't know, so Jax Taylor's on Vanderpump Rules and he is like the fuck boy king. He's had sex with everybody. He's cheated on everybody with everybody. He famously cheated on Stassi with her best friend, Kristen, whose boyfriend at the time was Jax's best friend. They fucked twice while Tom was Tom asleep. was in the other room. He is a horrible person. He's cheated on everybody. But so his current fiance, Brittany, he cheated on her with this woman, Faith, who was the only black cast member on the show. They, I mean, famously hooked up while Faith was working as a home nurse for some like woman with dementia. They like had sex while the woman was taking a nap. Jesus. But they all, the whole cast turned on Faith and forgave Jax. But then they acted so vilely towards Faith, which was insane because it's like, I mean, if anyone's going to be blamed, it's Jax who's in the relationship. But what they then did to exact revenge is a story had broken out about how a black woman was having sex with men for money and then I think stealing from them afterwards, which like good for you, bitch. And so Stassi and Kristen decided that it looked like Faith and they became obsessed with having Faith arrested for this crime. So first they went to the police. They couldn't get the police to take them up on it. So then they tried to like contact the FBI. The FBI wouldn't come back. Faith, it turns out, is actually a veteran I mean, I don't support the military industrial complex, but God bless the soldiers. They went to the VA, the Veterans Association, to try to have her veterans arrested. Apparently, there's like a second form of police within the military that can handle veterans. What and so the they fuck. And if she had been arrested by these people, she would have lost all of her veteran credentials. She would have lost all of her health care. She would have been dishonorably discharged from the military. So when when you talk about cancel culture and like, oh, does somebody deserve to have their job taken from them? What? Stassi and Kristen repeatedly did off camera. This wasn't even for a storyline. This was just something to fill a Saturday night was they went out of their way for weeks to try to have this woman arrested and then lose all of her military credentials because they thought she looked like another black woman who was stealing from people. And then they went on a podcast and they laughed about it and they like talked about how mad they were that they couldn't get it done and how sure they were. And it was all to exact revenge on behalf of their friend, Brittany, whose fiance she ended up marrying, who was the one that cheated. He was the one that broke the pact of fidelity. So on behalf of Brittany, who still ended up forgiving and marrying Jax is what we're saying. Yeah. I don't think that that's forgivable. I was actually adamant about not reading her book because I did not want to give her the credit or the money. We did get these books off of thrift books, so we didn't actually give her any money. And I do think that as a white woman, what I can add to the conversation is I can destroy the lives of other white women. Like I'm, they're entitled, but I'm entitled too. And I can use my entitlement for good. And I think somebody needs to talk about how fucking dumb she is because she has said a lot of Adeline things. It's one thing to say something stupid on a podcast. It's another thing to go out of your way to try to ruin somebody's life. They weren't even like on a podcast. Like they're famous people. Mm -hmm. So it's not even like they were like, we hate this bitch faith. And they like trashed her in public to ruin her life in like a social setting. They literally went through the police, the FBI and like the Veterans Association or whatever to try to ruin her life. Like that's so crazy. And in the wake of this, she was canceled pretty bad and she was fired for Vanderpump Rules. I know she lost a lot of sponsors, but I just want to say, even if you're anti-cancel culture, even if you think the woke police are coming for everybody, 
what Stasi did was try to take somebody's livelihood, take somebody's health care and take somebody's reputation and throw them in jail. So you cannot cry for her, Argentina, because she got exactly what she was sending out. She yes. tried to ruin somebody's entire life. Karma, then, bitch. I mean, it's exactly tit for tat. So I actually think she's horrible. That being said, we did read the book. <laughs> and I guess we'll get into it now. Okay, so one thing I want to mention really quick before we dive into the content, which the content and lack thereof, is the structure. I like don't even know how you're going to do this without getting into the content because the structure of this, I mean, it, this is a scaffolding of a book. I just want to explain that the way every chapter is laid out, some of them have charts and graphs, which I actually don't mind, like charts, graphs, and blurbs, fine. But every single chapter ends with next level basic takeaway, which just summarizes the whole three to four page chapter in one paragraph and just completely negates the need for any version of the chapter. This whole book felt like she had a word limit to hit. I know I've said that about previous writers. Like I do feel like a lot of them are operating under word limit quotas. I also want to say this one, much like Judy Greer's also did not feel like it had an editor or even access to thesaurus.com. See, I was going to say the opposite. I do think it had an editor who came back with the note being like, I don't understand what you're trying to say with literally any of these chapters. So then she added the next level basic takeaway at the end of each chapter being like, if you couldn't grasp what this chapter was about, let me summarize it for you. And then her editor was probably like, it's fine. I also want to point out the language of the book, which I can't tell if she's genuinely this stupid or if it was like a stylistic choice to constantly say totes. She knows about 20 words and she had to use them all repetitively. She would come up with one synonym for the entire chapter and that would be like the only synonym. In one section, she kept talking about how she had a PhD and taking good selfies. And in every paragraph, it was like the only joke she could come up with. She was like... I took like 4,000 selfies. That's the equivalent of a PhD. And then she'd be like, so I basically have a PhD in taking selfies. And you're like, yeah, I know. You just told me that in the last paragraph. Every single chapter was one paragraph reworded 14 times into several pages. And then the other thing was the entire book was all just these chapters reworded over and over again. So the whole premise of the book is be yourself. And being basic is a good thing. Because if you are basic, then be that person. But then she also wants to let you know she's weird AF. Her favorite adjective is AF. And so in a chapter, she'll be like, I'm weird as AF. I'm happy AF. It's fabulous as AF. It's chic AF. And you're just like, I want you dead AF. <laughs> yeah. So this book is broken up into four sections. Basic AF, committed AF, hot AF, and eat, drink, and be entitled AF. So let's start with section one, basic AF. One thing that I think is important to talk about, and this this might be one of the reasons this book made me so upset, is I agree with the thesis that being basic yeah. is a good thing and you should be yourself. There is a reason why so many people like the same basic shit is because it's good shit and pretending you don't like it is just like to be contrarian and to seem interesting is annoying. People who don't like Taylor Swift just because they want to be like, uh, this cool indie artist that I like. But here's <laughs> what's weird about it is because the entire point of the book is that we all love wine. We all love Uggs. We all love the Kardashians. So just embrace that and don't let people make you feel bad for wanting to take a selfie. But then the literal first sentence of the entire book is, you might not be shocked to find out that I was never a wallflower, but I also was not a typical teenager. This entire book is her being like, listen, be basic, do all the basic things. Here are my favorite things. And if you don't like those, you're stupid. And if you like other things, that's stupid. But also it's fine because you're allowed to like whatever you like. Haha. -ha that's the other thing is she doesn't even take a stance so every sentence is like 
I think everybody should embrace who they are. This is who I am. If you disagree with those things, I hate you. But actually, I'm just kidding. If you disagree with those things, then like love them and be them the most you can be. And you're just like, okay, so you've actually said nothing. It's really weird. There's just, I've never seen so much nothing. It was almost hard to read. So it's only 222 pages. It's very big font. It's very small words. It's mostly the letters AF. And then there's a lot of hashtag competitions. You guys get you involved. Every chapter has like a, tell me your story with hashtag cool AF, hashtag Stassi's book challenge. So there's not a lot going on. And then sometimes she'll have graphs or photos that she uses to take up a lot of the space or just like listicles but it was not a quick read did you find that to be true I did find that to be true and I think the problem was that when you're skimming a book you kind of skim through the bullshit and your eyes settle on the meat of the chapter the meat of the sentence this book had no meat but there's no meat anywhere it's all and it wasn't even like a vegetable sandwich either it was like all squishy things like it was like it was all insignificant hummus jelly peanut butter (laughs) <laughs> all squishing and mayonnaise <laughs> it was like a squishy sandwich it was so tedious there was not a lick of anything in there there was very few actual anecdotes i was shocked to find out this is not really a memoir and then it does say on the front the definitive basic bitch handbook but she'll give a story or an anecdote in each chapter but they're very vague they're not she that interesting them so quickly and then she just like dives back into saying basic things like I like this general topic. I'm a real slut for hot sauce. And it's like, cool. So in a little listicle in the middle of the book called the Let's Get Real Challenge, where she challenges you to find your own basic 2.0 voice and share the things that make you basic, that like you love them, but they're basic. One of them is Sex in the City. And she says, personally, I think I'm all four characters combined. I mean, to not be able to pull yourself as like, a Sex in the City character is insane. What are you talking about? Your all four characters combined. Literally shut the fuck up right now with that. That made me so mad. And then in another part where exactly what we're saying, her like refusal to take a stance on anything is the next chapter, which is um, about her love for musical theater. And it is a completely worthless chapter about how people should like musical theater, but people shit on it. And she's like, why? It's so great. And it's like, okay. in this chapter, she says she loves all musical theater except Rent because a lot of people who don't know a lot about musical theater like Rent. And then she goes on to be like, well, I guess I do like Rent, but she hates Mamma Mia. And then she's like, but also if you like Mamma Mia, you can like whatever you like. But also I think it's stupid if you like it. But if you like it, then like go ahead and like it the most. That's what's annoying about this book is she doesn't say anything you can disagree with because she almost doesn't say anything. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I do understand and agree, I guess, with the basic principle of be yourself and embrace it because, like, what's there not to agree with? But, God, she does not take a stance on anything. She doesn't go hard enough to be funny. I mean, it really is all about loving hot sauce and musical theater. It is insane. And here's the thing. Here's what I think this book could have been or should have been because I do think basicness is a topic worth discussing I think it's interesting the way that people feel the need to like go against the grain of whatever women like the way that people feel so viscerally angry towards female hobbies and interests is interesting I just saw a TikTok where the guys like name one thing a teenage girl can like that she won't get made fun of for Yeah. And there's nothing. Because if a girl is like too into sports, she's a pick me. If she's too into makeup, then she's frivolous. If she's into old music, then she doesn't actually like it enough. Yeah. And so I do fully agree with it. 
And I don't think that Stasi was the person to have this conversation and to like write something interesting about it. But I don't I, think she could have spoken interestingly on anything. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. But what I'm saying is I think the topic in general is a worthy topic of discussion. I just obviously she wasn't going to be the person to handle it, but I did think she could handle it literally better at she all. She doesn't say anything. She doesn't say anything, but she could have given us bits of anecdotes about like feeling insecure in certain things, like talking about dating instead of talking about like heartbreak. Honestly, she just talks about being so, so sad and then like getting over it with her friends and her like, recipe for getting over heartbreak, which involved drinking a lot of rosé. And I'm just like, fuck off. What is this for? You know, what's so funny about this book? What? Is that I hate this word, but this book almost drove me into it. But Chugi. Yes. For those of you who are not on TikTok, Chugi is a word that was like invented by like one lone person. The New York Times somehow got a hold of it and blew it up. And basically what it is, is that people are who are like out of style, but by five years and for specifically millennial things. Yeah. But it's funny because she has an entire chapter on style and fashion and things that'll never come back and things you should never do. And because this book is like three or four years old. Oh, it's from 2019. Holy shit. Because this book is two years ago. <laughs> And I guess TikTok and the pandemic did speed up the cycles of fashion pretty quickly. Things that she says will like suck and you should never wear are like juicy couture sweatsuits. And then she has. It's stuff that's like already. It's all it's all like very 2000s stuff that is completely in style right now. And she's like the best thing you can wear is like a timeless pair of skinny jeans. Those will never go out of (sighs) style and look good on everybody. (laughs) You know what it's exactly like. Do you ever read the Daily Mail? And all they have is a photo. So they have to keep repeating what they say. And they'll be like, Lindsay Lohan was wearing white jeans at at the Miami Club Live. When she got to the hot spot in southern Florida, donning a pair of ivory colored slacks, Lindsay Lohan. And they'll be like, Lindsay Lohan wearing something that we would call the lightest shade, the absence of color on her pantaloons, <laughs> entered live a hot spot known to many as a nightclub. <laughs> and you'll be like, thank you so much, Daily Mail. You've really covered it from every angle. <laughs> That's literally what she does. The amount of times that she just repeats the exact same sentence over and over again and then just brushes over the interesting stuff. She's like, it is crazy that I grew up in New Orleans and by the time I graduated high school, my parents were letting me sleep over at people's houses and they let me get a chin job and dye my hair and it's like that is crazy she got a chin implant for her high school graduation i actually know can i tell the horror story sure i know a girl who got a chin implant for her high school graduation it didn't sit right the rumor is Uh oh she then went to college and got really drunk and fell on her chin and the chin got dislodged (gasps) in her face no and she had to take her spring semester off of college because it was just free floating in her face scooting and booting about and they had to like reassess it to herself I guess we should talk about some of the few anecdotes she gives us so something that's actually I found interesting about her as somebody who ended up in reality tv is that she did grow up obsessed with musical theater and that she did want to be an actress and she tells this story about when she's 16 years old her dad somehow through connections got her into like some acting class where she was allowed to sit in on some famous acting teacher's class and then she had lunch with him And they asked what she thought of the class. And she said, I thought it sucked. Yes. And then she said, what we do at my high school musical theater is way more intense. They put hot pokey hangers down our backs to make us cry. And I was like, that does ring true. I like read an entire book where the premise was that high school theater teachers will like emotionally and sometimes physically abuse you for the art of theater. 
And it is because they are all the most fucked up people on the planet. Yeah, they're all people who wanted to be in theater and then couldn't. Can I tell you about my high school theater lady? Sure. So in middle school, we had a middle school, a high school, and her name was Mrs. Marcazzo. I don't like that name. And she was shaped like Humpty Dumpty to a T. I believe that. <laughs> she was all torso, almost no legs and arms. Like her legs and arms literally look like if you took matchsticks and put them into a hard-boiled egg. That was her body. She only dressed like a little girl. She was 70 years old. I have had teachers like this, and that really freaks me the and fuck out. And she wore knee-high socks, Mary jeans, and mini skirts. Knee-high like, socks on what legs? <laughs> the matchsticks. <laughs> pleated mini skirts, and then like button-up Peter Pan collared shirts. She wore that every day. She was in her 70s. I am not trying to be presumptuous, but was she a pervert? For herself, I, like, think she, like, wanted to be the victim of a pervert. <laughs> but she couldn't, like, set him up good. <laughs> they kept on knowing that she was 70. Um, but I d- this is all to say that I do think theater teachers are batshit crazy. <laughs> Unless any of you guys are theater teachers, you're one of the good ones. Anyway, I will say that I think that if they have to physically abuse you to make you cry, that's actually bad acting teaching. I hate actors because they take themselves so seriously. They're like, you have to imagine that you are a father of seven in the Vietnam War. And I'm like, I don't know. Just fucking act it, idiot. Just act like you're that person. Well, that's why I have no respect for, um, what's it called? Method actors. The method method. (laughs) It's like, if you are a good actor, you should be able to turn it on and off, I think. I agree. I'm a good comedian. And trust me, sometimes I am off. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, should we keep on talking about... The cult of Stasi. Sure. So this chapter is about how Stasi admires cult leaders and wishes she was one. Also, something that makes me mad is she's so afraid of PC culture, which makes me laugh because it's like because she keeps on fucking up. Yeah, the important things like not being a sexist, racist piece of shit she can't do. But she's like, when I say I'm obsessed with murderers, I'm joking. I really think what they did was horrible. Please, please don't get mad at me. And I'm just like, oh my god, stand by your joke. And then also, what makes me mad about her is she acts like she's obsessed with all these specific niche things like she'll be like i love musical theater here are my favorite songs and it's like the most popular song les mis she loves and i'm just like oh god shut up and so then she lists all her favorite mass murderers and is like ted bundy i actually wanted to talk about this part she does a list of her favorite serial killers and again they are the most cliche ones because i don't listen or watch any i'm not into it at all i could list all of these yes same but her last one is charles manson And I do want to read her explanation for why he's last on the list. She says, while his culting skills were inspiring, I've always had this very intense hatred for Manson. So many things I can't handle. A swastika tattoo on his forehead. Killing nine months pregnant Sharon Tate. I almost didn't even want to put him on this list, but you can't have a serial killer list without Charles Manson. So consider him like an honorable mention serial killer because he sucked. This is a list of serial killers. Like the fact that she has this moral line where she's like, listen, the fact that he killed a pregnant lady and had a swastika tattoo means that I don't like him. But these other guys, she literally has like Jeffrey Dahmer on here. She's like, it's crazy that he ate his victims, right? That's cool. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Charles Manson, you're putting on the list because he has a gun to your head. This makes no sense. The irony of this book is that the whole book is about how it's okay and cool and great to be basic. And then her very next sentence is always like, but actually I'm very different than most people. I have these very interesting interests. And then the third sentence is always like, here's a list of my interests that are cool. And it is the most basic, generic, commonplace version of all of these interests. So I'm just like, we've really circled back to where we started, but I also think we lost you. Like, I think you like walked in a circle in a woods and got lost. Following a line. 
So should we talk about her breakups chapter, section two, committed AF? Yeah. Basic breakups. You guys, this is a chapter about how she handles breakups. She talks about being like publicly humiliated by breakups. I actually think that this section did provide a little bit of context for me out of Vanderpump thing. We're talking about when she left the show and had to come back groveling. And she says it was because she was with that guy who was really manipulative. And he basically refused to be on reality TV. So she ended up just leaving the show for him. And then he ended up being terrible. And I was like, wow, I'd really love to dive into that relationship. Yeah. The fact that you gave up your career on reality TV to like follow this man And then he ended up treating you like absolute horse shit constantly. That's something worth diving into. But we didn't get any of that. Just that one line that she left the show for him. And also recaps of things that he did on TV that she was like, red flag number one. If a guy uses words you don't know, like juggernaut. (laughs) And I'm just like, okay, so basically you're just giving me what I saw. I already watched this. Why did I pay for the book? I honestly don't feel like there's that much in this chapter that we need to discuss except for her how to move on from a breakup I think it's psychotic okay so allow yourself to freaking feel it I get that that's actually good advice like you really have to acknowledge what the relationship meant to you and blah 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 next one here's where we go off the rails hire a breakup nanny she basically is like after a breakup I was simply non-functional I had to have a friend come stay with me and like feed me She paid her, too. I would hope that if I was that down and out, like, sure, I would come check on you quite regularly. I'd probably sleep over. Like, especially if I lived out of town, I think you would just come stay in the guest room and be like, I'll come visit you for the weekend and make sure you're okay. But I would hope that I didn't have to pay you and formally hire you. Also, the things that she hired her to do were like literally spoon feed her and then pay her bills and stuff. And I was just like, I don't know. You can do that from your phone. I do think that no breakup should cause an extended crisis that you're crying so hysterically that you can't check into your mobile banking app and pay a bill. I think in high school, my first real heartbreak breakup, I was truly devastated. And I just remember because I like wrote a diary entry about yeah. like how low I was. But even then, I feel like I got my homework done. Do you know what I mean? That's what I mean. Is like you had other things that you, you had cried for to an entire do. night and checked out. But by Monday morning, I could still be sad and heartbroken. But I woke up and got my ass to high school. The breakup nanny was a bit much. So the next step is get out of town. Which is fine advice. I do think doing something to get your mind off of it is a good idea. I think going on a trip just to like spite a man is stupid, honestly. If I'm going to go on vacation with my girlfriends, I kind of just want to go on vacation with my girlfriends and not have it be like a we're on vacation because I don't have a boyfriend. And if I did have a boyfriend, I'd be on vacation with him. But instead, I'm here with you guys. I don't know. That just strikes me as weird. It is what it is. She's a rich girl with no job. So I guess she's got time to kill and money to burn. I think most of us are like, I have somewhere to be on Monday or even I'll take off work and that'll be like my little staycation. I'll just sit in my bed and watch Real Housewives or something. Yeah. Her next tip is to get basic as fuck and give yourself a little makeover. I do think this is toxic and it's how you end up with bangs. (laughs) Um, The next step is drunk retail therapy. And so that's when you. Which is different than buy yourself a breakup present. So first is drunk retail therapy. And that's shoes. And then it's like you get drunk and get shoes and then you go shopping. She bought herself a vintage gold Cartier watch. I will say to combine those and be like, treat yourself to something cute is, I mean, I I like retail therapy. I'll be honest. Buying like something that I like makes me feel good. But is it different than buying yourself a present? No, they're the same thing. And you shouldn't do either of them drunk. And you, unless you just have like an insane amount of money, it shouldn't be Cartier. Like this weekend, I went and I bought myself this cute little necklace at this store and it was $26. And I was like, that made me feel a lot better. Anyway, the takeaway 
is that as long as you're not hurting anyone, do whatever you feel you need to feel your feelings and move on. So I'm glad we had that whole chapter where she was like, at the end of the day, just do just you do you. (laughs) I know. Ugh, and then she goes through all her deal breakers. Her deal breakers are fucking stupid. Here's what makes me laugh, though, is one of her big deal breakers is she hates people whose phones are always about to die, which is guilty. I am guilty of that. Fair enough. And I do think it is a ridiculous thing that I can't ever keep my phone charged. Like my phone is about to die right now. Why? Just plug it in, Claire. You're not even using it. You're doing a podcast. But here's what made me laugh about this chapter is that she then does like a little excerpt about what your phone charge says about you. And I guess because she has to fill the space. She has a literal graph of like a 100% charged phone, (laughs) an 80% charged phone, a 60, a 40, a 20, a 10, and a 0% charged phone. And on every page that she does a rundown on what that means about you, she has to re-show you the graph. And the graph takes up about half of a page. So she turns this one sentence bit, which is like, if your phone isn't charged, I don't want to be around you, into like a six-page joke where the joke is just... If you're less than 100% charged, she hates you. And then she hates you more and more progressively as it's less and less charged. Yeah, but I do want to talk about her actual deal breakers because she does go through things that have happened in past relationships that she's like, other people would probably think that these are deal breakers. And she's like getting cheated on, having an ex try to like sell a sex tape of you. These things are all probably big red flags for a lot of people. Anyway, here are my deal breakers. It makes me think that she's never met another person all of her stuff comes from like millennial memes on the internet like people who are rude to servers like you're rude to servers your whole career is about getting into fights with other servers at the restaurant you nobody's more of a menace to a server than you are i cannot fathom that when her and her friends don't get out they're not absolute cunts to the bartender i just don't believe it i'm sorry dub smashers honestly She's never heard of TikTok. <laughs> Male gym selfies, obviously cringe. People who don't charge their phones. We talked about this. Cat people. We know I don't like cats. People who love nature. That's a fucking weird thing to say. Tribal tattoos, obviously a red flag. People who use Siri in public. I actually have a joke about that. I hate that. People who say, can I pick your brain? Like, what is she talking about? And then this last one is one I really wanted to talk about is people who brag about not owning a TV. Who still does that? In what world? Oh, wait, there are two more. <laughs> People who refuse to share the name of their housekeeper. (laughs) Oh, I forgot about that. Is that a problem people are running into? (laughs) Specifically with guys they're dating? Because these are dating red flags. And listeners, I'm dead serious. Please hashtag. Oh my God, this is such a who's a tabs throwback. But let us know on Twitter with hashtag. Actually, that's happened to me. The housekeeper thing. (laughs) Just to repeat. Hashtag. Actually, that's happened to me the housekeeper thing don't put a comma in it even though it sounds like there should be a comma because then it won't hashtag yeah yeah yeah. no spaces no punctuation that's happened to me the house <laughs> actually that's happened to me the housekeeper thing and let me know if you've ever been on a date with a guy has gotten hot and heavy you've gone back to his house you have noticed that his it's house clean <laughs> above and beyond and not just by any professional an exquisite professional a professional that you want to get your grubby little hands on to come clean your house and right before you're about to get sexually intimate with this man, you say one question, who's your housekeeper? And he goes, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. <laughs> and is this something that has happened so regularly in your life with romantic prospects that it becomes a deal breaker? <laughs> <laughs> Please let me know. I would love to stand corrected. Maybe it's a New York, L.A. thing. Hashtag actually <laughs> that's happened to me, that housekeeper thing. 
And then the last one is people who judge you when you order a drink before noon. Stasi, you're an alcoholic. Anyway. She really is an alcoholic. I know. She almost joined Scientology because Jax acted in a Scientology promo video. And he was like, they invited me to learn about their religion and said I would get rich. And they like went to a class and then they were like, this is too fucking weird i'm not doing that like when i think who could fall for scientology i'm like yes stassi and jacks for sure especially stassi because she thinks she's too smart to get tricked and that makes her like so easy to get tricked yeah i would say literally this entire chapter about relationships is her getting fucking trounced whereas Jax is almost so stupid that he would seem like he's easy to trick but because nothing stays in his little <laughs> mush brain it's almost like you're trying to catch rainwater with your open hands <laughs> like he would just keep coming back the next day like having not learned the rules of scientology and we all know they're really into studying and finally they'd be like you you have to get out of here <laughs> you can't learn any like there's rules here there's definitions like, there's, there's a pop lot of quizzes quizzing. and you can't you're actually too stupid to be a scientologist anyway the takeaway about her deal breakers is the reason you should have deal breakers is that it helps you get focused not just on what you do want but what you don't want thanks stassi <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. This book was so stupid. I know we said it, but I really feel like I read this so that you didn't have to. And it was grueling. It was a bowl of mush that I just fucking army crawled through with my goddamn hyper educated brain. And even I couldn't find that much. Like there's not that much to talk about because there's like no sustenance. I don't know. Imagine trying to describe oatmeal. At some point, you would just be like, I've said it all. It's <laughs> oats and they're warm. That last chapter, if she had really talked about what it was like having her ex try and sell a sex tape of her. Yeah. That's an interesting anecdote. All she says is that like she found out that he was trying to shop it around and then she fell to the floor crying in an airport and then Lisa Vanderpump paid him $900 to not sell it. And he was like... That's my price. I cannot believe they actually walked away for $900. Do you think there was just like a couch they wanted to buy? You think they wanted to buy a rug? <laughs> you cannot buy a rug for $900. Not the ones I like, but maybe for pores. <laughs> there were so many things she could have said that would have been interesting. Like if she had just gone episode by episode of Vanderpump Rules and been like, here's what actually was happening behind the scenes. She could have been like, here's what it's like having to rewatch yourself six months later. And what it's like trying to have friendships when everybody's problems have been recorded for everybody to see what it was like to be publicly cheated on and humiliated I mean there's a lot to say that she didn't say I would have loved to know what her life was like in Los Angeles before she was on Vanderpump I I really want to know that about those two seasons when things started blowing up and she was probably still poor as shit I think they made something like seven thousand dollars the first season yeah so they literally still did have to be waiters I know they kept it authentic anyway let's talk about her sex life Here's an insight she has. If anything has created a disconnect between real sex and fantasy sex, it's rom-coms. Hmm. What do you have to say about that, Claire? Do you agree or disagree? I will say I've never gotten out of bed wrapped up in a sheet, which is something as a child I, I thought would happen a lot. I will say I think sex is sexier in rom-coms when you're just like, oh, it's so romantic and easy. Everyone just slips out of their jeans. That's nice. But the thing about having sex is that you've probably done it naked And so if you have to get up to go get something quickly, you probably aren't that worried they'll see you naked because they have just been inside of your vaginal mucus. Ew. Claire, I can't believe your vagina is full of mucus. Mine is nice. Oh, what? Nice and dry, you sicko? (laughs) Your vagina is like the inside of a worm. (laughs) Absolute wall-to-wall squishy gel. (laughs) No air bubbles. 
So I don't know how much we want to talk about Stassi's sex life because it's a fucking bummer. But we do have to tell the story about how she lost her virginity. That's what I was going to say is a bummer. So she tells this cute little story about losing her virginity. She acts like it's embarrassing, like she peed her pants or something. Okay, so what happens to Stassi is basically she has these older friends and they're not just a little older. They're like in their like 20s and her parents allow her when she's a senior in high school to go on a trip with them to Chicago. She gets there. There's this one guy she's a crush on who's 27 and they like end up hanging out. She goes back to his hotel room. She's like hoping they'll kiss. He ends up saying, are you 18? She lies and says yes. And then they have sex. It's her virginity. He doesn't know. It sucks, obviously. She bleeds everywhere. She's humiliated. And so she like puts a cushion over the blood and then runs out. And they like never really speak about it again. And I don't know. I think either delve into that story or don't talk about it at all. She doesn't then say, looking back, I wish my experience had been better. Like, don't be in such a rush. Use your virginity. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, she has no opinion. She doesn't say like, oh, I feel bad that I lied to that guy. Or she doesn't. I don't know. She like does a lot of work to like be like, that guy's not the bad guy. But also, okay, so if you're going to put out this like fucked up story, if the story has no meaning, then why did you include it? Because yes. it's really bizarre to read about. And you just put it out there like a time. I mean, that a 27 year old was like, oh, I hope this girl is 18. Like, that's disgusting. Also, she really she describes it like a time she accidentally like farted in front of her math class or something. Like, it's so embarrassing that I like didn't know about shaving or waxing. Yeah, and she's just- like, I had a full bush because I all I thought I would ever do is at most kiss. And it's like. Uh, do you want to talk about that? <laughs> and then she's like, I was so embarrassed that I covered the room in blood. So I ran out while he was in the shower. And you're just like, can I tell you a sentence that I find so misleading where I thought we were finally going to learn something in her next level basic sex tip? The f- lesson number one, my losing my virginity story taught me some basic grooming lessons. And I was like, yes, he was grooming you (laughs) and then she goes now I realize we all like different things like maybe personally you prefer that 70s Chewbacca bush but I prefer to be completely hairless and I was like hold on you were so close (laughs) this book was written in 2019 they didn't know about grooming back then actually um yeah i mean i just think that this story is like a good example of how nothing this book is it's like okay well maybe she's just the most boring person alive with nothing to say but then every time she touches on a story that could be universal or insightful or interesting or helpful for a younger person i mean think about if gabrielle union had had that story i would have learned so much (laughs) she's obsessed with always having a second pair of underwear everywhere you go that's her biggest piece of life advice there's just everything about her it's like i don't disagree but the way you've told it you've made it meaningless yeah and she also does this thing that Janice Dickinson did where she calls her vagina her little flower. Yeah, I hated that. Let's move into her next chapter. And it is about female friendship and oh, might actually be the worst chapter of all. It's no we're in a fight with Claire and Ashley. <laughs> she's talking about how she's always been a girl's girl. And it's like, I don't believe that at all. Because I think that if you had female friends, you wouldn't have dated any of the guys that you date. The things that she talks about, I'm like, these are all situations that you wouldn't have gotten into with friends. Uh, I'm not going to say you're going to say that friends can save you from a bad boyfriend. No, I don't think friends can save you from a bad boyfriend, but I don't think friends would have picked Jax over you when he was cheating on you. That's fair enough. Some of the stuff she writes in this book is so out of touch with what any girl ever thinks or feels that it just doesn't feel to me like she actually has any female friends. I do think that if I were to write a book, 
I would give it to you to read and you would say, these are some of the most unrelatable things I've ever read. So if you're going to tell this story, you have to tell it in a way that's specific to you. You say that to me with jokes. We'll be like, you can't be like, this is an everyone thing. It's a you thing. So you have to change the joke so that it's a you thing. And later in the book, she has a chapter that's called what's in the basic bitches bag and the things she lists. I'm like, who's bag? I, what are you talking about? I was I, it's so funny because I had the opposite take because she had this hilarious thing where she's like, I one time did a People magazine, What's in My Bag? But now I'm going to tell you the unedited version. And what's in her regular bag was like a book, makeup, sunglasses. And then what's in her unedited version? It's like a little bit of hot sauce, makeup, a phone charger. <laughs> Then she has that part where she says, this is not specific to her. She says, what's in the basic bitch's bag? And she says, it's a soul cycle pass, a can of rosé. Can we talk about what a soul cycle pass looks like? Is she talking about like subway tokens? I don't know. Soul cycles has existed since the internet. I've never once heard of somebody signing up for a pass with like a coupon that never gets used. Can I say something about soul cycle passes? What? They are so expensive. If you have leftover passes that you are not using, please mail your physical soul cycle pass. a la saucy shredder to me because those are like $42 a pop. And so if they're just like wasting away, I will put used to them. It's such a nonsense thing where I was like, who looked at this and said it was a good idea. Nars blush. Like who brings blush out of the house? You put on blush at your house. I don't know. Body spray. Is this like she specifies Victoria's Secret body spray? This is what really keyed it off for me. I was every time I've talked about Victoria's Secret body spray with a friend of mine, we've been like, oh my God, what a fucking eighth grade nostalgia trip. What woman is using Victoria's Secret body spray? Insane. Anyway, so this chapter about how she has female friends, it is a girl's girl above all else, is nonsense. She talks about the kinds of girls that the girlfriends that everybody needs. But then she says the frenemy is a friend that everybody needs. And I'm like, I don't know that anybody needs a frenemy. The childhood BFF, the travel buddy, the shot taker, the tough lover, the mother, the gossiper. These are all just like nonsense things to say. The WTF friend. Oh, this is what I wanted to talk about. I always say Jax Taylor has the best taste in women because I found two of my best friends using this method. Basically talking about her, two of her best friends are Rachel O'Brien and Brittany Cartwright. One is another one of Jax's exes and another one is his... I don't know. Are they married? Yeah, they're married with a baby and I'm sure soon to be divorced. Best friends. I guess Rachel is a really close friend of hers, but like, yeah, this is such a weird thing to do or say about yourself. She has an entire chapter called Cocktail Hours where she tells you what kind of alcohol you're allowed to drink at every hour of the day starting at 9 a.m. But she's like, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm actually somebody who's really proud of the fact that I could be drinking all day and never seem hungover or drunk. And I'm like, that sounds like a functioning alcoholic. That's literally what that is. I also want to just really quick, I know we talked about the style chapter, but she she writes about how she spent a lot of her childhood obsessing over fashion and this specific quote, it still weirds me out that people look to me for style advice. Who? Who's looking to her for style advice? She wears over the knee boots and big sweaters. That's there. There's her style. Now you never have to look to her again in your life. That's what she's wearing. Over the knee boots and sweaters. I know she loves to post OOTDs and I think that she thinks she invented the OOTD. Did she not? No, that's like a thing on Instagram. I don't think it's like a Stassi thing. Well, she like claims that like she invented it because she made an Utida day. Yeah, she spent $17,000 to trademark the day. That's insane. But I'm pretty sure it was happening before she ever existed. I think this is like the, the first supermodel. I don't think she invented an outfit of the day. Someone can fact check me on this, but I, I would go to bat assuming she didn't. <laughs> 
Um, she also has like a disclaimer chapter about how what we see on social media might be altered. Thank you, Stassi. <laughs> <laughs> she does talk a lot about plastic surgery and the plastic surgeries she has had, which I respect. But I also wish that she talked more about the psychological effect of plastic surgery. So I have a friend who had a nose job in high school and I've talked to her about it quite a bit. And she's like, it does kind of like weird me out that my parents were so gung ho to get me a nose job. It's like, why did everyone just like agree that I was ugly? You know, she wasn't. She definitely had a less conventional nose before, but I didn't like look at a photo of her and be like, good God. You know, for, for a chin job, especially like for your whole family to be like, we agree that we've got to get something to fill out this chinless bitch's face. I do think that there's, I don't know. I wish she looked inward once. And then she says she's all for alterations here and there. But her idea of going too far is to not look like yourself. And it's I would say like, she doesn't look like herself at all. She's gotten Botox filler, lip filler. She's dyed her hair. She has eyelash extensions. And then she got a chin job. And she says that when she wants to lose weight, she eats one meal a day and doesn't eat carbs. And I was like, that's honest. Thank you. <laughs> Can we talk about the foodie chapter a little bit? She writes an entire chapter about her favorite foods and that she loves hot dogs and everyone likes food. So calling yourself a foodie is obnoxious. She's like, who on earth would say they don't love eating? And I'm like, a lot of people in LA, first of all. And then she goes into like a chunk on astrology where she's just like, I don't actually believe in it, but I think it's an interesting way to pin your flaws on something outside of yourself. And it's like, yeah, that's what astrology is. I don't, I hate her. And then she gives a definition of what each of the signs are in like the most basic, bland, uninteresting way. Like I, I only read mine and it was like Libra. This is the kind of person I would love as a judge if I committed a crime because they see all sides. Yeah. Gemini. This person is scary. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? We're over that. Where There's like been a whole Gemini redemption arc on TikTok. Let's talk about the last chapter, which is where she owns up to her past transgressions in a way where she does not say a single thing of value. She says one of like the coolest, hottest things you can do is own up to your mistakes. And her mistakes are a few years ago when Oscar's So White was trending. She talked about how stupid it is that everybody cares about black people. And (laughs) she was really shocked to see that she got a lot of backlash for that. And it dawned on her that actually she's never faced any adversity. So maybe she shouldn't tell people who have to shut up because she doesn't know what it's like. Next, the Me Too movement. Actually, so she doesn't say verbatim what she said, but I remember what she said. What? It was the Harvey Weinstein thing. Do you remember when people were defending Harvey Weinstein? No. Because no one did except for Stassi. Stassi and Lindsay Lohan. That's true. <laughs> Stassi is an out-of-the-box thinker, and so one of her things was that, I guess somebody had come forth and been like, he forced me to give him oral, and she said it's impossible to rape somebody by making them give you head because you could just bite down. And so if you were really being raped, you would just bite down and run. And so she like, I am speechless. (laughs) And she said within two hours, got a lot of her sponsors had dropped her. People were really mad. And she was just like, all I was trying to say is that there should be a discussion about how people should get a fair trial at court, which is like fucking idiotic because anybody who knows anything about rape knows that like 2% of all rapes are reported and like 0% of any of those people get in trouble. Especially someone like Harvey Weinstein, who everybody knew raped everybody and was just allowed to continue. And she's like, I just feel like anyone was allowed to come forward and accuse people of rape. And it was all just being listened to. And people were losing their jobs. And it just wasn't fair. But now I've learned that maybe you should read a book before you just start saying something. Especially if it's a sensitive topic. Obviously a thing that she didn't learn because now we know. (laughs) Well, first of all, I was going to say, like, these were two very specific things. It wasn't just like, I think you should, like, read before you speak. She could have come forth and been like, here's why I learned that that specific thing was wrong because the court system is rigged 
rapes are not something that are easy to talk about power dynamics like understand why you can't just bite down and I understand why you can't just go to court that if a man is like one of the most powerful men in Hollywood for 40 years and everybody including Meryl Streep knew that he was raping everybody and nobody cared and that literally the New York Times and press people were paid to cancel stories that it's not just as easy as that yeah but she did not learn a thing and then the third thing she this does one's the funniest one because it's actually insane <laughs> because her initials are Stassi Schroeder yes SS she has had it embroidered on a bunch of things because she's basic including a military jacket and one time she was wearing a military jacket that had SS embroidered on it and her friends all joked that that was like a Nazi thing and so then she captioned a hashtag OOTD Nazi chic and she said, after that, I lost every single sponsor. So basically, it was like I was starting over. I have never cried so hard. What I want to skip to is one paragraph later. The wrong way to deal with basic mistakes is to try to justify them or get defensive because you're cutting yourself off from trying to see the other side. Okay, so you literally just spent the entire page explaining why you called yourself Nazi chic, only to be like, the worst thing you could do is try to explain yourself. <laughs> I will say, like, I do think that is, like, a valid explanation. Like, she is Stassi Str- I get it. I, I get the explanation. I get the SS mistake. To not know that the word Nazis... I get that you wouldn't assume that SS is a Nazi thing because that's your initials and so that's your first thought about those two letters. But I think you knew what Nazi meant. <laughs> I do think you knew what Nazi meant. And I also think that instead of being like, I shouldn't have done that, that was so insensitive, she's like... I lost all my sponsors immediately and I've learned to never try to justify my mistakes. And it's like, no, you haven't because this whole chapter was about justifying your mistakes and about how like you didn't really mean what you said and like you didn't have the proper education. I was just saying Harvey Weinstein should get a chance to explain his side. What is hard? Like what would a Libra judge say by, about Harvey Weinstein's side? Like yeah. maybe he misread all the signals. Maybe all those girls said that they were 18. And like with every single one of these three examples of like three times that she's lost a lot of sponsors. That's also why I don't feel bad about you were saying earlier with the faith thing that it makes sense for her to lose her livelihood because she was trying to make someone else lose her livelihood. But it's also like that is now the fourth time that every single sponsor has had to like back out from her podcast. And I do think at that point, how many chances is too many chances? And I just want to go back to the first story of this book when she's at that acting teacher's class and she tells him that his class sucks and that what they're doing at our high school is much more interesting. And when she tells her dad that story, he's like, I'm so proud of you. We'll always speak your mind. Like the best thing you can ever do is tell your truth because nobody can ever get mad at you about it because you were just being honest. And she's like, I really appreciate that. My dad told me a six year old girl that my opinion mattered. And I've always kept that with me. And I'm just like, I believe that girls should be told their opinion matters. And I think everybody should have a voice. But I do think that there's a difference between being rude and being heard. And she was really taught from a young age. And obviously it was supported by her success in reality TV that just being the dumbest loudest bitch alive is a strength and she's really stupid I also know that she like I'm sure she's from a Trump family because in this first season of Vanderpump Rules her dad jokes about like being a Republican and how if like you're not toting a gun you're like a pussy (sighs) and I'm just like god you people suck I hate them um do you have any final thoughts on Stassi no I hope to never think about her again that being said I would watch Vanderpump Rules from the beginning (laughs) Um, we're going to dive deeper on our Patreon this week uh, because honestly, I do hope to never think about her again, but I know I will every waking second. You guys, thanks for listening. Check out our Patreon. We're getting into the pop culture of the moment. We love you. Bye.